Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. But Christianity, once you, and I know Sam has got an announcement, but I didn't want to let this go too far. Is he, is Sam, are you in here? Okay. Um, Far too often, you get plugged into a religious mindset that says, okay, now that you're saved, what you got to do is detach from the physical world because there's nothing but evil things in this world and get as holy as you can, meaning as separated as you can from the world, don't be involved with the world at all, figure out what your ministry or your purpose is, why you were created, and just do that holy one thing, and don't touch the world. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like somehow the definition of holiness has become don't enjoy the things of the world. Now, I mean in a mature way. I'm not talking about treading into sin and giving yourself permission to walk on the grace of God. But what he's saying is it's not about defining some religious calling and saying, you know, this is my ministry. It's like, no, I'm, I'm a natural child of God on this planet. This is the environment that God had in mind. You know, of course, he had it in mind minus the death and sin. We did that part. But this is the natural environment that I put you within. It is okay for you to live on this planet, enjoying the things that are in this planet, but as you do, recognize who you are in Christ. And if you're trying to get anywhere, it's to experience more of the righteousness, peace, and joy that is given to you in Christ. So, you know, you don't, don't feel like that you've got to run from the world. You know, it's, gosh, this is like a whole separate teaching, but I'm trying to, I'll try and encapsulate this, but... Gnosticism crept into the church, and, and really it was a remnant of earlier teachings that kind of left you with this mystical mindset that we just wanted to interact with the spirit world, and all of this place was just an illusion, and you really shouldn't be part of this world because it's just evil, and one day you'll be liberated from this physicality, as if anything physical is evil. It's kind of the mindset. And you hear that in churches still where it's kind of like, the flesh is evil. The body is evil. You know, don't, anything in the world is evil. You ever, you ever kind of felt that way or maybe you've been taught that way and it's like, well, you know, you can't enjoy fishing or you, you can't enjoy traveling, you know. Heaven forbid you enjoy a beer or something like that. <gasps> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's like we, we've become, it's like we've become so religious, our brain has slid out of our head. Exactly. And if you just look around and you realize, you know what? Just the kind of being that we are was created to live on this planet. So finding out what it is that your assignment, and I like the word assignment, it's not purpose. The reason you were created was to be a child of God. That's why you're breathing air. 
That's, that's the very reason you exist on this planet, because God wanted you as a child. But now that you're here and the world is messed up, there's an assignment for you. But you know what? I want you, I want you to understand, if you never realize that assignment, you're good. If you have Christ in you, if you said yes to Jesus, and I was sitting here thinking, if you've never said yes to Jesus, it's very easy. Just in this moment, you could do that. When Laura was teaching, I mean, you know, if that didn't compel you to say, yeah, I want, I, I don't know what it means, but yes, Jesus. But when you hear something like what Paul said, you know, I appreciate the way that he framed it. It's about you live your life. Enjoy your life. Don't feel guilty that you're a Westerner and you're not part of the Chinese persecuted church or the Middle Eastern persecuted. Don't feel guilty that you are where you are. Enjoy what you have in front of you and love who you can around you. You know, and I, we had to reframe it. One of the, one of the early statements, I got a lot of vision ideas from like secular songs. And uh, I remember thinking about calling and how you inspire calling within people. And I heard the song lyric, love the one you're with. <laughs> it's like, right? yeah, there you go. Now, you know, you don't want to go where that song goes with it. But it's like, yeah, the one that's in front of me, this is who I'm supposed to love. You know, sometimes people will show up in church and they look around, where is everybody? Well, we're right here. You know, there may be on a Wednesday night, 12 people show up. Where is everybody? We're right here. These are the people that are in front of us right now, you know. So it's not about getting some massive global vision from God. That might be birthed within you. It's about when you're driving a truck, you're driving whatever it is you're driving, who's in front of you? Who can you love? How can you exercise your dominion in that moment? I think if every believer on the planet made it their goal not to necessarily try to keep God happy by figuring out what they're supposed to do, but if your goal was to, as much as I can, I want to yield myself to the Spirit of God to experience righteousness, peace, and joy. The more you are personally experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy, the more you will be effective in your family. Amen. The more you will be effective in your community. If you're struggling, maybe you've got a ministry but you're struggling, it's like you're not lacking knowledge usually. You're probably lacking one of those three, usually peace or joy. You have the righteousness of God within you. Maybe you're not living in it. Some people are trying to live in, you know, exercise their ministry, but yet they slide off after. I, man, you'd be surprised. Pray for, pray for ministers after they minister. Because that's when a big battle can happen. I, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know what I don't know what the deal is. You know, people try to spiritualize it and blame it on demons and all that. It's like, no, it's where your heart goes after you're done. But I've heard a lot of ministers that slide into temptation or depression or dark. Sometimes it's just they talk so much that your lung is deplete. Your lungs are depleted, and when your lung energy is depleted, it creates a sense of overwhelmness and depression. That's just the that's just science. But we spiritual, oh, there's such an attack after I've been, I did such an amazing job for the Lord today. The devil's showing up now. <laughs> Get over yourself. You're not that important. 
I don't know. I know I'm just kind of buckshotting here, but it's like I, I just wanted to piggyback on what she was saying because she was saying the same thing that Laura was, Laura was saying that, that Paul was saying. It's, it's authority. It's understanding that you have dominion. You represent God on this planet. And it's not about some massive vision coming to pass. It's about day by day, are you fully experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy? Because that is what will produce the effectiveness in your life. That is what will continue to open doors. You know, we stand here every day. We all do this. You stand here today, and you think about tomorrow, and you think about next week, and you think about next year. But what if today you connected with the peace and the joy? What would that do to your surroundings? What would that do in your household? Think about it. Think, let's get idealistic here for just a minute. We can do that every now and then. What if every believer on the planet was so full of peace and joy and conscious of their righteousness and actually living in the power of that righteousness that's within you? Think about it. Just imagine you got seven and a half billion people on the planet. You know, more than a third of them are believers. Just imagine like little lights all over the planet. If every single one of those people were so full of just completeness in Christ, what would that do? Because what we do is we look at the world and we imagine there's such deficit, there's such darkness, there's so much work to do. And so you jump out there and you try to affect the world. And it's like, no, let me experience the kingdom. And then what's going to happen? I don't have anything to give anybody that I'm not personally experiencing myself. I mean, you can always preach Jesus and it will produce. But as far as, you know, the biggest calling you have is that your life reflects grace. Honestly, it doesn't matter how many sermons you can preach, people are going to look at your life. They don't, you know, you know what, those of you that have kids, they don't do what you say, they do what you do. In fact, half of you, most of you, it, this is just human nature. This is, not a, this is not a shot at you. You walk out that door and you forget what's said. But you remember how you feel. And that's okay. That's why I want you to feel righteous when you're here. I don't want you to walk out feeling like you're beat up or like you've got all this work to do to get, to get there. Well, they just preached that feel-good message over there. Yeah, but it's, it's for a purpose to get your heart open so that grace will be active. There's a, there's a subtle line that goes beyond feel good to inspiration to trust God. And as you do, then you let all those walls down and you, you actually start to experience transformation. But, but don't let yourself judge yourself as if you're not doing enough. You probably aren't doing enough. Get over it. Amen? Amen. You know, and, and we, we forget how it's the simple, profound truths that really make a difference in people's lives. You know, it's like we come in and, and we, get, you know, we, hear, we hear a deep teaching or we've maybe moved past, unfortunately, 
the simple things that really made an impact in our lives. And so we think when we are in front of people and we want to be a blessing to them and minister to them, we feel like, oh my goodness, I've got to, I've got to build this entire structure and teach them this big, long thing. And it's like, no. You can tell when you ask somebody a question that's over-churched to pray for you or to, you know, it's like it takes 15 minutes for them to answer to even get to a place where they feel like they can now do something for you. I, I don't know, it's, it's weird what religion does. But see, here's the paradox of the difference between identity-based Christianity and performance-based Christianity. Absolutely, there are legitimate issues, addictions, and sin habits, and false beliefs, and yes, demonic activity, and, and just paradigms where we have destructive self-worth issues, where we continue to lead ourselves into the same patterns of destruction over and over. All of that stuff is real. And religion would say, you got to become a better you to get over that stuff. you got to become more holy to get over those kinds of things. You have to try harder. You have to do more to please God to get over that. And it's like it's such the paradox because that is a lie. How many of you know the more you try, what you're doing is you're reaffirming back to your heart, which is where you believe from, that you are not already what you're trying to be. So you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. But religion says you're transformed by your actions. Now, your actions reflect what's in your mind and in your heart, and absolutely God desires godly fruit, but it starts with what's going on on the inside. If you want to conquer anything, you have to own who you are as the victorious person over that thing first. You know, we all know that there are great programs out there, but let's say you've got a particular addiction, and 30 years later, you're still going to the meeting and standing up and saying, I am an alcoholic, and it's like, 30 years? I don't think you are anymore. And I'm not, you know, that organization has done amazing things, saved lives, saved marriages, glorified God, absolutely. But it reflects identity versus performance. When God looks at you, he doesn't look at your behaviors to judge you. What he looks at is whether or not you've got Christ in you. It's just so cool. I love watching prophecy work where people aren't sucking, out of the, sucking the wind out of the room saying, thus saith the Lord. Because Laura absolutely verified prophetically. I mean, I've got it right here. Watch this. Remember she was talking about standing in front of the judgment seat of God and seeing, hearing the enemy and seeing Jesus and the angels? If you were to be judged by God right now, it wouldn't be sin that he would use to define you. It would be whether or not you're in Jesus. God wants you to know, confirmed it to several different people here this morning, in my notes this week. Get this picture and, and see, all right, this is why I'm saying these kinds of things. What you need to experience 
is your identity in Christ. All the areas of life that you think you need to be doing a better job in, breaking those sin habits, walking in the gifts of the Spirit, prophesying to one another, making more money, being more loving to your spouse, being more present for your children, whatever it is, whatever the things that you think that you are supposed to be doing. I almost forgot what I was going to say there for a minute. That sounded really good there, didn't it? (laughs) What you got to realize is you already are what you need to be in Christ. And if you can own the fact that the wisdom within you already exists to be the better business person, then you understand, okay, I can draw on Christ in a very practical area to let God teach me wisdom in this area. And, and you kind of break that idea of, you know, the world is evil. We're not supposed to be in sales. Kopi's in sales. It's like people might say to him, well, sales are evil. It's just carnality, brother. Doesn't mean anything. And the blah, blah, blah. It's like, uh, do you enjoy sales? Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's okay for him to enjoy sales. You see what I'm saying? He enjoys it. I don't know what's wrong with you, but he enjoys it. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, you know. So the reason I want to go through what I'm about to go through, and I'm going to make it fast, because I know we're all over the place today, but it just we'll just let God weave all this together. You know, keep your heart open toward him. Look at him. But to overcome any area... You first have to realize you're victorious in that area inwardly because Christ is in you, and then you live it outwardly. We have to break the mentality of thinking that we are purely carnal creatures and physical creatures. When I say carnal, I just mean physical, not evil. That we are physical creatures, and we have this physical way of following God, and everything I've got to do has to change outwardly, and then that means I'm more holy inwardly. You have to realize, no. God has cleaned up the inside with Christ so that you will reflect outwardly what you think you're trying to get him to do or what you think you need to do. If you were to stand in front of God right now, if, if the rapture happened or if he came back or however it's all going to end, I mean, I don't even want to go there because everybody's got a different opinion. But there is a fight. Jesus is coming back. There's a final judgment that everybody that's ever existed will stand in front of him And the judgment that he will have toward people is not sin because everybody that's ever existed or that will ever exist, that when that final judgment happens and they stand before God, the measuring rod that he will use to judge the believers and the unbelievers is not their sin because Jesus was already judged for the sin of the entire world. The measuring rod of judgment will be righteousness. Specifically, the righteousness of Jesus. There's not one person that will stand in front of God and be judged for their sin. I know that's kind of a tilt, but it's true. Jesus took that penalty. Even unbelievers aren't judged for their sin. They're judged whether or not they've said yes to Jesus. You kind of just have to let that one marinate for a minute. 
But for you, the believer, what I want you to understand is if you were to stand in front of God right now, in this moment, you are, you are complete as you're ever going to be spiritually. Amen. You are as acceptable to God in this moment, right now, as you ever will be. Think about that. Heaven forbid you, your heart stops beating and you fall over right now and you stand in front of God and you face your judgment. Do you think he's going to say, you didn't finish your call, you're only this righteous now? I mean, think about it for a minute. Did you think about it? So what I want to spend a lot of time doing is affirming to you who you are in him and who he is in you because I know that's the power of transformation. I know that is what, even on a psychological level, you have to to conquer something. You have to own that you've fallen in this area and then own who you now are going to be in this area. And psychologically, to overcome anything, you can't see yourself as that failure any longer. You have to inwardly believe that you are where you want to go. The more you believe it in this moment, the more you will be drawn into those opportunities, the more you will reflect those behaviors. Bottom line, you do what you believe you are. You are going to live outwardly a perfect example of who you believe you are inwardly. Uh-oh. Did you, are you following me on that? So what I want to do with most of my messages is rebuild who you think you are. Because what I know is that when you believe the truth of who you are in Christ, that is the power and the wisdom that will compel you to outwardly display all of that stuff that you've been religiously trying to do up until now. If you can rebuild your identity based on what Christ has done within you, you will naturally, right now, you are naturally living out the image of who you think you are. And there's an element of deception in all of us. Because for the believer, who you really are is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, a joint heir with Jesus. Those of you that are working with people that are trying to overcome issues, I'm telling you, if you get them to believe who they are in Christ, it's, it's, it's supernatural, the changes that they begin to experience. But it starts with rebuilding who they are in Christ. That's what I want every message in here to have an element of, that you, you hear over and over and over, this is who I am, this is who I am, this is who I am. See, because performance-based religion was, wants to preach to your outward existence and say, well, this is where you fall and this is where you fail, and you know, if you work at this part right here, then you'll get better. And, you know. But identity-based says, no, this is who you are because it understands if you believe the truth, you're going to live it out. I want you to be convinced of who Jesus is in you because you will naturally, automatically live it out because you're already doing that now. So just to review a couple of passages from last week, Romans 4, 5. This is a little bit of review, and then I've got one more longer passage 
Y'all ready? You good? Do we need to stand up and stretch? I know it feels like I'm just now getting ready to preach or something like that, but it's, don't worry. This is good stuff. Say, this is who I am in Christ. Romans 4, 5. Again, I don't want to stand up here and preach at you what you're supposed to do and what you should do. I want to tell you who you are because I know that that power will compel you to do things greater than anything that I could come up with what you're supposed to do or any preacher. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Do you believe or work for your salvation? Are you sure? <coughs> Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we think that we have peace with God when we stop sin. Now, you might personally experience more peace when you get that junk out of your life. But as far as with God, he's not stumbling over your sin to get to you. Does that mean sin is okay? Does that mean you should stay in sin? Does that mean you should kind of play with it a little bit? Or it's like, eh, you know, pet it a little bit. It's all right, I'll keep you around for a minute here. No, stay away from it. It's killing you. It's hardening your heart from letting God transform you. But it doesn't change how God feels about you. And it doesn't change God's willingness to work through you and bless you because of who you are. 2 Corinthians 5.21, and again, this is what Laura said, and she personally experienced. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You have to have a personal experience of this. I don't mean you have a vision, but you do the work to think about to the degree that it produces a change within you, that you change how you see yourself because you see that the exchange of you with Jesus is what makes you righteous. Y'all with me? You got time for a little bit more? You sure? Y'all are looking kind of sleepy, some of you. Nudge your neighbor. Stand up, turn around. No, I know, you're just deep thinking. You've already been, you've got like eight sermons rolling around in your mind. All right, this is kind of long, but I'm telling you, again, what we're doing here is an exercise to give your heart some information that you make a decision upon to decide this is who I am. This is how God sees me. Because I know that if you were to believe it, it would change all the areas of your life that you're waiting on him to show up and change. Colossians 1, 3. Y'all ready? Colossians 1, 3. This is, this is a prayer, but there's so much in here. And I'll, I'll just read through it, but follow along with me. Colossians 1, 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. So this is, you know, we're talking about you here. 
The love that you have for God's people is being heard about out there. Verse 5, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored for you in heaven and about which you already heard in the true message of the gospel, that has come to you. In other words, this power that's stored up in heaven. You know, a lot of times we think, well, it's going to get really good when I die. When I'm dead, man, it's going to be awesome. No, heaven is a reservoir of life for you to draw on now. You limit that to the degree you want to limit that. But verse 6, in the same way, the gospel... Now, man, this is such a beautiful... Imagine the planet and the gospel growing as we read this next statement here. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Just think about that. You know, if you watch mainstream media, you'd get the opposite picture. This, this had 2,000 years to grow. I think the gospel is affecting the consciousness of humankind, and it may not look as religious as we want it to. Follow me. But there is more humanitarian awareness on the planet than ever before. There are more people wanting the condition of other people's lives to be better than ever before. I think that is a fruit of the gospel. Now, it will continue to grow, and God will eventually get the glory for that, but the fruit is bearing. Amen? Amen. Do you believe that, that the gospel is growing throughout the whole world? just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. I mean, they were dealing with this stuff back then. Truly understood God's grace. Verse 7, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And it's an inward thing. The Spirit gives it to you inwardly, to your heart. Quit looking out here for God to show up. I mean, you want to see him in your life, but this is an internal process that you're fed wisdom and power. Verse 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Absolutely, fruit is the desire. But it's through this process of the gospel bearing fruit. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, which is really a functional description of what grace is, empowered inwardly, so that you might have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father, this is powerful. If you don't get anything out of today, get this, Colossians 1.12. Giving thanks or giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Say, I'm qualified of the inheritance of Jesus. That's your homework this week. Colossians 1.12, go read it every day and open your heart 
and let the Holy Spirit teach you what it means that you are, a, that you are qualified to be an inheritance, to, to obtain the inheritance, to have the inheritance. I know, this is getting long. I'm sorry. Sam's fault. <laughs> Skip down to Colossians 1.21. Remember, I want you to walk out of here knowing who you are in Christ, knowing what he's done for you knowing that the challenges that you face are fought inwardly first. The battles that you have in your life to deal with, they're fought inwardly first. They're fought between looking at the dead you and looking at the new you. You can drag that dead man up if you want to, but he's dead. Leave him in the grave. He was crucified with Christ. He's not part of your nature any longer. Know who you are. So last three. Once... You were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now has he reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. You are holy in God's sight. Let's say that. I am holy in God's sight. I won't take the time to ask you how you feel about that, but... You know, if you, if you have an adverse reaction to saying, I am holy in God's sight, you're self-righteous. You think your righteousness depends on your behavior. I'm telling you, man, it's powerful stuff. So last verse. If, if you wanted to make a case for conditional salvation, the condition is this. If you continue in the faith... You know, people say, well, can you sin your way out of salvation? There's no context for that. You can faith your way out of salvation, maybe, if you want to use this for that. But what he's saying is, just keep believing. Keep believing. Established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Wow. And of which I, Paul, have become a servant. The Holy Spirit is active and out there and doing what you think you need to do. All you're doing is going out there and shining a light on what the Holy Spirit has already gone into the world to try to do in people's hearts. You get to go in there and call that light out of the darkness within people. But it starts in your own home and it starts in the mirror. I mean, I'm telling you, what does it take for you to, before you leave your door, Make sure that you are full of the awareness of Christ's righteousness within you. You are at peace, and you are feeling the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. I mean, if we have any goal, if you have any resolution, make that your daily resolution. I'm, before I leave, I'm experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy personally. Amen? Amen. Sarah did a, an amazing job of... Uh, Plant. I'm just, that was like, a, I'm doing a hard transition now. Amen, we're done. Moving on. <laughs> Sarah did a great job of the month of love thing, uh, all the different uh, things that we did. I don't remember them all right now, but they were awesome. But the last one was an, a random act of kindness in your community somewhere. And, you know, I, I want to challenge you this week. And, you know, how many people? I don't have. We got 120 people in here? I'm going to say 120. I'm a preacher. I'll say 120. 
I want to hear 120 testimonies next week of random acts of kindness. Now, you might think, oh, that means I've got to do something. But, man, I promise you, I promise you, if you wake up in the morning and you become so aware of the righteousness of Christ within you and you set your heart at peace because you are aware of God's Spirit within you and you let that joy rise up to your strength, you can't keep it in. You don't have to work it up. So, I, you know, next week I want to hear a few testimonies of, you know what, I was just here and I just had the opportunity to just kind of love on somebody. I, I prayed for somebody and they got healed. I was able to witness to somebody and they got born again or I went to the hospital or I, it doesn't even, you know, it's just did you express God's love this week? And it, honestly, I know nobody's going to stand up and share this testimony, but your testimony might be, I played with my kids without yelling at them this week. <laughs> you laugh. No, you laugh. I'm telling you. How many of you know that's real? That would be the righteousness and peace and joy of God bearing fruit within you. That you don't yell at your kids this week. I mean, let's get real. We want to see legs grow out and limbs pop up out of nowhere, but it's like, Anyway, I don't want to preach again, but there's no guilt in that. There's just the reflection of God's glory in your home. Amen? Father, we thank you for your peace. Thank you that you love us. Jesus, we give you all the credit and all the glory. We just want to reflect you in our communities.